This week's episode of the Star Wars Report is brought to you by the good folks supporting us over on patreon.com slash Report. Let's do the show, folks. Come, come, come. And who might you be? It's the Star Wars Report. Star Wars Report. Woo! Star Wars Report. The place for Star Wars news, features, interviews, and more. Then we can do something epic. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. Please delete as appropriate. The Force. It's calling to you. Just let it in. Well, here we go. Another week of Star Wars talk here on the Star Wars Report. We never miss a beat. Well, I don't know. Maybe every once in a while. But for the most part, no, we don't. But this is episode number 356 of the Star Wars Report. I am Bruce Gibson. Thank you for joining us. And we have the one and only... Mark Herleman, who is eating Burger King chicken nuggets right now. Mark, how oh, are those nuggets tasting? They are savory. They are scrumptious, and they were probably alive at some point. Maybe. I don't. I or do. They really have chickens that small? I I I don't know. And 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 the more I I contemplate that, the more I think I'm an evil person because I I think they have to be small little chickens, and small little chickens don't stay small they're only small at one point in their life cycle so like yeah that puts me in a dark place bruce let's uh let's uh oh yeah let's let's get back to like vader burning and stuff <laughs> okay i say let's go on to the news then we have something to report closer, i have good news data brought to us by the bottom spies we can send a clear transmission there it is listen listen so in our news today, Burger King chicken nuggets, 10 for a dollar. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. That's not part of the show. <laughs> well, it was news for you. And if you're wondering what we're talking about, you want to check out our patron. Yes, yes, because you'll check that out. We're talking about nuggets on there. But that's not what we're going to do in the news today. We're going to talk about a new live action series. Yes, a new live action series. Not The Mandalorian. No, we already wait. know about that. Well, wait, what? It's not The Mandalorian? It's not The Mandalorian. This is... Cassian Endor. It's a prequel to Rogue One. It's not a sequel to Rogue One? I've heard a lot of people saying that. It's just tongue-in-cheek. I love it. I mean, there is a sequel to Rogue One. It's called A New Hope. But Cassian Endor died in Rogue One, so you can't have a sequel, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Unless you just show his body sitting there. So, like, I snarkily (laughs) came at this with my first gut-check reaction of like, oh, great, another character that died that we're getting a backstory for. Woo! great idea this is what we should be using the comics and books for oh wait that's what we're doing right now we're cap you know so i was kind of being a little snarky but at the same time this is a great opportunity i mean think about the fact that cassian andor is as of rogue one a fulcrum agent right he's been yes. in this fight since he was six years old uh so you know he we know he's a scrapper so but it starts when he's six. No, maybe. It no, but, but we could get <laughs> something could. that that spans like you know maybe like a three year period or a five flashbacks year period. or something. Yeah, something like that where we see him do something that puts him to the point of being fulcrum. We could see him, you know, go beyond that and and maybe see what hardens him, makes him the way he is. But I was thinking about you know this. That's the opportunity there for the people that haven't seen Rogue One. Right. If you do a good job with the show, when the show is over. The people have never seen Rogue One yet. They've watched this show and they go into Rogue One and they only know what they know about the character from this show. And by the time they get to the end of Rogue One, they are just like like when you watch Serenity for the first time and you've watched all the Firefly shows and Wash is like, I'm a leaf on the wind. See how I soar. And then you're like, what the hell, Joss Wayne? What did you do? I mean, I mean, you get that moment if you do this right. And I think that's a cool opportunity. That's a really interesting point. And I, this is making me think of something else that I'll bring up in a moment. But how that is very interesting because someone who may not be a big Star Wars fan, this could be someone's first Star Wars is watching mm-hmm. this Cassian Endor series. They're all caught up in this character. Then when the series ends, they feel, oh, wait, Rogue One, this character's in that. And they see what happens to him in that. But then after that, then they go on and watch A New Hope. Like you mentioned, that's kind of a sequel to mm-hmm. Rogue One. Like this is a totally different experience than what we have. I would love to meet the person that actually goes from the series into those two movies. And this is their lead in this introduction into Star Wars. But not only that, it, as you were talking, it made me start to think that we may see elements from Solo yeah. in 
this series because Solo takes place before Rogue One. And I, I don't know if the Cassian Endor series takes place during the time, fr- time frame of uh, Solo, which probably not. That's probably too far back. That's 10 years before Rogue One. Uh, well, that just depends on how, I mean, because it's feasible in the fact that he was in this fight since he was six years old. What if that was literal? What if the rebellion, like the early rebellion, they recruited him to be the eyes on the street kind of thing. And that was how he was fighting back back then. And slowly, you know, like like he pulls like in uh, Rule of Two or, or uh, the Darth Bane novel where, you know, Bane as Diesel goes and gets enlisted and, and is fighting with the gloom walkers and stuff, you know, and, and we're seeing him doing that with the rebellion as he goes up through the knocks and eventually becomes the fulcrum agent but we watch him at that point because think about what's what's going on in solo at the beginning right he's on Corellia. we're watching imperial ships be built imperial star destroyers that's a perfect place for any kind of rebel spy to get in to get any kind of data out or go and do some kind of sabotage mission i mean that is a perfect location now because of the solo film for this character to go I think that's a cool opportunity. And could we see Maul make an Ooh. appearance? Ooh, yeah. Placement on that is very important. I mean, you you could easily do that if they went far enough back. Um, well, I mean, even even so, I guess with Rebels, like Maul was alive pretty close to a New Hope. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we see Luke like mm-hmm. before that. Yeah, it's very interesting this time frame. And you know, it almost sounds like the Star Wars Resistance series because Kaz is now a well, he's a resistance spy mm-hmm. and now we have Cassian as a rebel spy. So we have two series about spies. Mm-hmm. For yeah, the rebellion no, and, or the resistance. And what's cool about the two differences too is is it's like being in different settings. I mean, you've got the definite Cold War era of what's going on with resistance. And then you've got more like the World War II era, what's going on when like we enlisted uh, Japanese soldiers to go over to Japan and spy and send information back and stuff like, you know, it's kind of like more active war going on in the background while that one's going on. Whereas the resistance, you know, the war is happening, but not many people know about it. They're not acknowledging it. It's not everywhere in the public eye. Whereas with what's going on with the empire. I mean, the Emperor's all about domination, so they have no problem explaining what's going on. They just pull a quick spin on it. Well, now, this is going to be really good. I'm really excited about this. I would say I'm more excited about this than The Mandalorian, and I think that's only because this is a character that I'm familiar with and that I like, mm-hmm. where I don't know anything about The Mandalorian character, and I don't, you know, so th- that's something unknown to me. But Cassian, it's like, oh, wow, we get to see Cassian in, in a series. It's all about him and his rebel band of freedom fighters or whatever. I'm like, yeah, bring it on. I'm ready for it. But now this is going to be on Disney plus. This is the Disney streaming service. We've been talking for a while. And there's, there was an announcement this past week that it's going to be called Disney with a plus sign next to it, which is not uncommon for them to do that in that style, because that's what they've done with ESPN. They launched a service or launching a service ESPN plus. I think it already launched. That just shows you I don't use it. Right. But, <laughs> but yeah, this is coming in late 2019, the Disney Plus service. So that will have the Mandalorian on. We don't know when the Cassian Endor series is premiering. There's more details to come. I have a feeling yeah. Mandalorian will uh, uh, will appear before this Cassian Endor series. But we also got more information that, as we know, um, you know, Marvel series are coming, Disney Pixar series are coming, like High School Musical they're doing, another mm-hmm. one of those. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot of good stuff coming. So as we get through 2019 and maybe even at Star Wars Celebration, we'll hear a lot more news about what's coming to Disney+. Plus. Yeah, we do know it is a rousing spy thriller which is an interesting way of talking about it, which explores tales filled with espionage and daring missions to restore hope to a galaxy in the grip of a ruthless empire. So clearly he's going to go to some of the planets on the outward rim, I would say. I mean, because to me, if you're going to buy and you're restoring hope to the galaxy and you think about the placement of this, you know, if you're going between episode three and four at any point, you're not going to be in the mid rim and the inner rim. I mean, anything you do there is going to have some swift imperial consequences. You're going to be doing stuff on the fringes and you're going to call your victories, you know, the small little back worlds because hey, we liberated it for a week or a month or a year. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> 
But I think that that's cool, though. There's so many opportunities. It's just us talking about it. I'm just thinking, what else we could we could maybe we could see Han Solo. Well, so, I doubt so, it, but I, you know. no, I mean easily. If if they placed it right, you could have uh, Aaron Wright come in and could have be. him even do like a quick little, you know, uh, 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 Nick Fury cameo kind oh of thing. Oh my gosh, Solo and Cassian Endor together. Mm-hmm. Oh man, that would be good. Bring that one mm-hmm. on, and, and then eventually you could bring in characters like Hera. Uh, you know, and stuff, and, and Ahsoka, because oh, yeah. Ahsoka is also a folk live agent. action. Yeah, live so, action Ahsoka. I was originally, I was Ahsoka and Hera were characters that I was throwing around of like, you know, because my issue was the aspect of why are we going to a character that we know is dead? Now I understand there are plenty of reasons for it, and I can make arguments for that, but. I was kind of going like, well, what other characters could we do? You know, and Ahsoka came to mind. Hera came to mind. Uh, you know, there's there's just so many out there that you could do this off. I mean, you could even, in theory, do a Chewie show where you find out that, like, you know, Chewie didn't get back together with Han until, you know, a different point later. You know, like they had a, a period where they weren't together and they ran into each other again. And that's when Han saved him. And that's when the life debt fully kicked in. I mean, you know, we, you could do so many different things. But that is why when you go back to this that I do get excited because uh, like I said, they have an aspect where they can really make this character larger than life. And I mean, I don't feel like sometimes when I get my hopes up like this, that they deliver. So I'm not going to get my hopes up, but I, when it comes to these kind of opportunities, it's hard not to just think of all the awesome p- potential because you've got that clean slate and, and that's cool. I, so I go back and forth when it comes to the Mandalorian though, because like, there's a lot of tradition in, involved with the Mandalorian that I'm looking forward to exploring. Whereas with this, it's like it's rebels, it's espionage, but beyond like the state of what's going on in that time frames right now, I don't know how much more I want to be or, or how much I can be pulled in. Whereas with the Mandalorian stuff, you could just have like something in the background, like an old skull or something. And I'm like, Ooh, what the heck's that? What, you know, like, like just even with uh, uh solo, when they go into that, that gambling house and you see the big elephant tusks coming down and stuff, I'm like, you know, where did that come from? You know, those kind of things really get me excited. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So going to planet to planet with the espionage aspect, that's a really cool angle that they could really explore a lot of that. And I think that it would be cool if they did go from the inner rim to the outer rim, to the mid rim, go back and forth, have him going all over the place in his missions, because you could really get a, a, a idea of some of the places you could go, places that you and I, as fans of Legends and, and the books, you know, you get to explore worlds that they don't mention on film. Yes. Well, that's a great opportunity to bring some of those that are already there to life. And you can encourage people like, oh, yeah, as seen in. Think about Thrawn Alliances, right? The planet Batu. That's that's going to be Disneyland and Disney World's Star Wars land, right? So, I mean, just reading about that was exciting, even though the story had nothing to do with that place. But I'm even more excited to set foot there because I know it ties into a book that I've read the story for. So that kind of marketing, if I if there's anyone that's going to nail that, I believe it's yeah. Disney. Yeah. Wow. Uh my head's spinning right now. So here's the thing. I, I found out this news from our Twi'leks of the Night messenger group <laughs> and i was in meetings all day yesterday when the news came out so we're recording on friday so the news came out on thursday and i hate when this happens when news like this comes out what like during a weekday afternoon because sometimes you know i'm like in meetings or you know and i'm doing a project or something i'm working and i can't do anything and i'm with clients and not just clients during the day but at night because I had like a reception and a dinner and all these things. And literally I'm like under the table reading my phone, but I can't really talk about much. I can't really think about it too much and no one cares around me about it, you know? And it's just like, and now this is the first time I've really stopped to really think about as you're talking and I'm thinking, wow, we could see Vader or, or anything, but you know what? I've always, after I saw Rogue One, I always wanted to, them to do a prequel. I wanted it to be Bayes and Chirrut. I wanted to see a Bays and Chirrut movie. Mm, I just wonder awesome. if they could even show up. I mean, I mean that would be great, but still, I want a movie with them or even a series well, of them. And that's just it. Like, like when you throw things out there, like I could, I could easily find ways to to write up a story like that if it was, say, in the Han Solo era, right? The ten year gap there, because you could have them as Guardians of the Wills out on a mission, a piece kind of thing. 
or or anything in that regard and have them just kind of like wander in and have a mission where they teamed up with Han Solo who happened to team up with this rebel scrappy agent who oh by the end of the mission we found out oh my gosh he's a fulcrum agent that's like really important like you know there's so many ways you could play that so it's it's I would love to get some documentaries down the road which I think we're going to get of when they get these ideas and they sit down in a room and they just start throwing them out there. Cause like, even when you have Darth Maul showing up in solo, that was exactly that, you know, a name of like 20 on a list of like, how cool would it be for this character to show up? And while Maul was awesome, there were a lot of characters on that list that were like, Oh, I can't believe they were even thinking about that. So, so it's exciting to find out down the road what possibilities come up. I and mean, even with the Mandalorian, you know, we would talk about that. And there's characters like Sabine that show up, the, you know, the Fets, uh, uh, you know, so many other characters like the Vizsla family. I mean, just a plethora of characters that you could take from, from legends even to bring into canon. Oh, just so much potential. And, and I love that aspect. That part of Star Wars never gets old for me. I mean, there's so many other things that can grind on our, our, our daily life when it comes to the other aspects of the fandom, but the story potential, not one of them. No. You know, uh, so you've been online, you've been on social media, I think, probably reading some things. Do you have, has anyone complained about this and saying, ah, there we go again? Why isn't this an Obi Wan series? <laughs> mm. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if there were people out there that were fans of the Obi Wan series. Um, you know, I mean, I, I know Riley especially really likes the idea. I go back and forth. I mean, like, I really enjoyed the Kenobi book. Yes. By John Jackson Miller. By John Jackson Miller, but like as good as that book was, I feel like The Last of the Jedi by Jude Watson did a better story arc idea with Kenobi than even what John Jackson Miller was able to do. Because in that book series, now Bruce, I'm I'm pretty sure you're aware of this, but for those of you that aren't, Jude Watson wrote uh, like four or five mini book series that all kind of made a, a, a bigger universe inside the universe, starting out with Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan when Obi-Wan first gets picked to be Qui-Gon's apprentice. Spoiler alert, he wasn't. It, he, he was passed by Qui-Gon. It, it was a really great story. And so that story, you know, becomes like, there's like 20 books in that series. They eventually, you know, they figure it out. They work together. Obi-Wan falls in love a couple times, almost leaves the order. Uh, it's some really good stuff, right? Then it goes to Obi-Wan as the master as he takes on Anakin and Anakin's rival, Ferris Olin, who is being trained by, uh, Obi-Wan's love interest, I believe, or, or maybe it was, uh, Barris Offy. I can't remember which, which one his master was at this point. Um, but then from there, it goes to The Last of the Jedi, where we get Ferris Olin now. He left the Order during the Anakin series. Anakin made him look like a chump, basically, and he walked away. He pulled an Ahsoka. Like, I, I just, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm out. So, so he walked away. So when Order 66 happens, he's in a position to do something about it, right? So he's basically setting up an underground railroad for Jedi kind of thing. And when he comes across another Jedi that was Obi-Wan's age, I think his name was like uh, Galen or something, like he was blown away by how aged Galen was by the loss of all the Jedi through the Force. The impact of that had like physically made him age overnight kind of thing. He was blown away by it. Well, he eventually finds Kenobi on Tatooine. Like I can't remember exactly how, but he ends up talking Kenobi off of the planet to help him establish this railroad. So Kenobi does leave Tatooine in the books for a while. And, and there's this great, you know, interaction. And when he's all done with the, with the story, he's like, I'm going back and I'm never coming back. I, I'm, I'm, you know, doesn't matter what's happening. I'm staying here. I cannot risk it. The future of everything is where it's at. So much so that by the book's end, he recruits Ferris to do the same thing that Obi-Wan's doing for Luke, for Leia on Alderaan. It's a, it's a great story. Great. And, and the way Jude Watson do, tells this story from, you know, following it from each one, from Obi-Wan going into Anakin to Anakin to Ferris. To, I mean, it's just a brilliant bit of storytelling. So, yeah, I mean, it's just one of those things where I get excited and it makes me think of these things. And I just, yeah, I, I go off on wild tangents, man. <laughs> I have not read that series, but now you sold me on it. I feel like I need to read that now. Yeah, and it's it was fun when I was getting it, hunting them down, because those were all ones that I didn't have to order any of them. I found every one of them at a bookstore, even though I came to the game late and I, you know, they weren't like right available. I, a lot of them I found at like Goodwill bookstores. But yeah, I was I was floored. One of the funnest treasure hunts ever. That and the uh, Galaxy of Fear books, man. And, oh, and the uh, Young Jedi Knights and Junior Jedi Knights. Those ones were all 
Like I think I barely got maybe three or four of those books from like a Barnes and Noble. The rest were all at like mom and pop bookstores, closet bookstores, airport bookstores. <laughs> Just and every time I was like, "Whoa, oh, I'm getting this! I'm getting this!" <laughs> Running out. Well, I was like, "What do you got now?" I'm like, "It doesn't matter. I'm getting it." <laughs> Man, I used to go through all kinds of used bookstores. I don't do as much anymore because now when somebody recommends something like you were just doing, I just go on Amazon or something and just buy it right away because it's like, right. why do I you need to go hunt it down? I could just buy it and read it right now. But anyway, yep. hey, you know, with Disney Plus real quick, and I know this isn't necessarily Star Wars related, but one of the things they did announce was a new Marvel series take, mm. taking place in the Marvel cinema, Cinematic Universe about Loki. From the Thor movies. Really? Yes. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And Tom Hiddleston is uh, reprising that role in the series. Ooh. So that's, that's going to uh, be interesting. And the fact that my daughters have a crush on him, that will help us to keep getting Disney plus in this household. Right? <laughs> right. But anyway, so we also have something else in the news related to Disney. They've opened up a new TV division. ILM TV has just opened up. So that just shows you right there. I the industrial light and magic. It's easier for me to say industrial light and magic than to say ILM. Right. But ILM TV is a showing that we are getting really deep into TV production uh, for Star Wars and Marvel in this Disney Plus era, among other things. In other words, what I'm trying to say is because Industrial Light Magic does so many special effects that are more mm-hmm. cinematic, now they're going to do more for t- TV, and that just you, that just shows you the direction TV is going. Yeah. Well, and, and think about it, too. I mean, you, you just said it in, in a nutshell. ILM has been on almost every single blockbuster movie. You'll go through the credits, and there they are. Right. And what are we seeing right now? We're seeing a lot of TV shows that are doing really well. We're seeing TV shows spring up on Netflix where, bam, here's the whole season. Oh, my gosh. Uh, uh, Stranger Things, you know, uh, 13 Reasons Why. Everybody gets all excited for these things. And now we're doing this with Star Wars, right? That that same expressive level. Game of Thrones, right? Game of Thrones. You're watching a TV movie style environment on the TV screen, right? So, so you're getting that blending. Now look what's going on with The Walking Dead. Spoiler alert, right? Rick's last episode, they were telling us it was coming. We find out that they're now going to do a movie, three movies with Rick's character because of the way that they wrote the story. They wrote him out of the story perfectly. And now he is free as a character because of how it all went down to be in these three movies and do it his own pace because the actor wasn't going to be able to put in as much time throughout the year recording and didn't want to limit the character. So they found a way to write the story around all of that. And now you've got this great opportunity. And so you're seeing that back and forth between the TV and the movie and the movie and the TV. It makes sense for them to do this because as you said, you know, we see them all over these great blockbusters and now they're putting that touch on the TV. And that's, that's going to make everything they're doing so much more better because of the fact that everything they touch is gold, man. They've got the Midas touch. You know, it reminds me back in the 80s when Moonlighting premiered. This is going way (laughs) back because I remember people talking about Moonlighting and I remember a lot of the press and the ads about Moonlighting was it's like watching a movie on TV because they were putting a lot of production value into that show. And And it's like Bruce Willis already famous for the first Die Hard at that point. Uh, I don't think so. I'll, I'll look that up because that was, I, I remember for me, it was my mom loved him and, uh, the actress, I can't think of what her name was. Uh, Sybil Shepherd. Was that, was it her that was on there? Yeah. Yep. Sybil Shepherd. That's it. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I don't think he had done Die Hard yet, but yeah, I just remember that was a big thing. And now it's like, you're saying now it's like, you know, so many TV shows, play like a movie and one of the things that ilm tv is going to do is there's this is based in london that's where their offices are going to be they are they have two projects lined up right now it's the second season of sci-fi's krypton series i saw season one that's good that's oh nice that's basically uh krypton where superman's from and you see the adventures of his grandfather on on the planet as a younger man. And then you also have the live action Star Wars series, the Mandalorian on the schedule. So they're working on Krypton and the Mandalorian. So it's pretty exciting. You know, one of the first things ILM did on TV years ago, back in the nineties was the young Indiana Jones Chronicles. 
oh, I remember that. I remember watching it on, like, not even it, but I watched a preview of it for like on HBO or something like that. Like, cause my aunt would record the stuff. So it was on, maybe it was Disney Channel. I can't remember, but I remember seeing the, the preview and thinking, that looks so cool. And I didn't get to watch it again until like the end of the nineties. Yeah. <laughs> I, I haven't, I never really watched every episode yet. I've always started it and I st- I've watched some of it when it premiered and then I've watched some again. I think like on Netflix or something it was on. I don't even know if it's still on, but anyway, um, yeah, I haven't, I never finished watching that because it doesn't really feel quite like Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones is like really over the top action adventure. And this series wasn't as so much, but, um, I do remember the time that there was a lot of things they were doing on that series, the young Indiana Jones Chronicles that they were using to prepare to start the prequels with. They were doing a lot of experimenting on that series for special effects. That they were going to, with uh, computer generated special effects that they were huh. going to use on uh, the prequels. Oh, interesting. Huh. Yeah. So there is a connection between the two. The more, you know, <laughs> the more, you know, exactly. Yeah. That's exciting, man. That's exciting. Well, plus, and think about, you know, uh, this has nothing even to do with the, uh, Game of Thrones directors and their live action stuff, but they would have to play into this at some point. Right. I mean, you're all in Disney's playbook at this point, right? Or are they, I mean, is ILM, did they go with the deal or are they yes. a separate entity? I mean, yeah, they're part of the deal. So Disney owns ILO, ILM. See, I can't say it. I'd rather say Industrial Light Magic. So, <laughs> so it makes sense then that they're going to be involved in anything Star Wars. I mean, but yes. then they already were, right? I mean, yeah. So I guess it, for me, in a lot of ways, like I, this seems like something that they should have done a long time ago, or that it, it seems like I don't understand why, aside from the marketing aspect, because like. Oh yeah, I mean they because they've always been doing it. at least it feels that way. I mean, like you said, they were doing it mostly on the big screen, not the small screen. So this is a perfect opportunity to advertise. Hey, we're doing it here too. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, man. I think I just wonder if they're going to be like the Robert Downey Jr. of actors though, where they're like, God, I'd love to have you on, but I cannot touch your price. <laughs> I just think it's a show of what they're investing into Disney Plus. I think they know that they have a lot of projects coming up, and uh, this Loki series of Marvel. I think that's going to be one, and of course. The uh, Cassian Endor series, that's going to be another one that they're going to work on. So it's they're going to be pretty busy, more so than they've ever been in TV. And I would think for the industry, though, that having it being a TV division is going to be more secure work. Uh, whereas, you know, I mean, you, you get on a movie and you're there. I'm sure you're there as a digital programmer. You're there for a lot longer than more people are on. on but even then, you're going movie to movie to movie hoping you get signed between each movie whereas with this it doesn't really matter i mean you're going to have so much to work on that you know you're you're set job security for life right well let's move on to the next two items that i'm just going to mention right now these are more rumor more speculation Mm -hmm. i guess you could say when it comes to episode nine they do deal with security though Yes. But now if anybody doesn't want to hear anything, I'm not saying these are spoilers. It's just some rumors and speculation. So, you you know, it's your call. Do what you need to do. If you need to <laughs> say goodbye, say goodbye. But I'd say stick around because I don't think these are probably anything that big. But Mark, I'm I don't know about this first one. Leia, she's going to be in episode nine. We know that even though Carrie yeah. Fisher has passed away, she's yeah. going to be in there. They're going to use footage that they have. From cut footage, that is, from The Force Awakens, which J.J. directed and J.J. Abrams is directing episode nine. Mm -hmm. So somehow they're going to use, I guess, some kind of computer animation to have Leia do something with a certain something. Yeah. I mean, you know, what better way to secure yourself and your protection than with a lightsaber um, and yeah, they're, they're mentioning that she's going to potentially have a lightsaber. Now we know that she was originally going to have a lightsaber back with episode seven because of the fact that we saw Maz Kanata hand the lightsaber to general Leia. We saw the breakdown of that. Like, yeah, that Luke's happened. lightsaber. She had, she was holding Luke's lightsaber in that clip that cut clip where we see Maz handed over to Leia yeah yep now which we'll go into our second story in a second but if that original lightsaber of Luke's gets somehow reconstructed in some form or fashion or one gets 
fabricated of the same likeness, right? Like consider like in Legends, Anakin had three different lightsabers before we saw the one that he lost at Mustafar. Uh, but they would all basically be very similar in scope. I mean, they were very close to the same thing, just slight tweaks. So maybe we see something like that. Maybe, maybe Leia gets a hold of, you know, the broken lightsaber and she fixes it. Or maybe Luke gave her one a long time ago that looks just like the one that he had made. Um, you know, there's different possibilities there, but the thing that gets me about all of this is it's hard to see this being anything other than the handoff scene because they're not bringing a new actress in. They're not using computers for Leia. They're just using footage that they've already filmed. And I don't know how far ahead. I mean, this could be exciting because it does sound like they were talking about at one point, episode nine being a Leia centric film. And they hinted about not flat out said, but hinted enough that I came away with the impression that Leia was going to be the big Jedi bad a in the end of this film. And she was going to step into the light and we were going to see her as a force welder, like just Jedi. Awesome. Right. That was what I was hoping for. I've always wanted to see that. It's one of the things I love about new Jedi order. She finally steps into that role and we see her just succeed at it, at a, at a, just everything we've always wanted. Kind of. Yeah. It took her long enough, but she finally did. Yeah. And so now if JJ was originally going that direction before they lost her, maybe he did have some things like maybe there were scenes where she was going to be out, you know, doing some meditative stuff and swinging the lightsaber around like what we see with Ray doing in episode eight, uh, you know, when she's on Octo. So maybe it's something like that that we get to see. But because of the fact that Carrie Fisher passed away and now they've had to ratchet back that direction so hard, I don't. I don't, that's where I, I don't think we have anything to go with here. Um, I, I mean, even if you digitally put one in, like, w- aside from attaching one to her belt, what, I what don't, does it I, mean? I mean, think about any kind of scene, yeah. Yeah, any kind of scene you would have, what would be having her do it? Like she's writing a, a paper on a desk and it's just sitting there. <laughs> I would just think that her powers are so strong that because Carrie Fisher's passing it, if you have like one or two cut scenes from, the force awakens where she's not welding a lightsaber that she's a powerful enough Jedi or force user in episode nine, that whatever cut scene there is of her standing there, or whatever, she's just like moving an object or, or creating some kind of force shield or doing something dramatic to that, where it doesn't take a lot of physical activity to do anything as opposed to animating her arms, swinging lightsabers around just sounds ridiculous. (laughs) And especially the fact that you're saying if constructing, reconstructing Luke's like lightsaber, which is a possibility, I guess, because I don't remember now in the last Jedi, when it broke between uh, Kylo and Ray, what happened to it? I don't recall. Who picked it? Do we see someone pick it up? Ray picked it up because when Kylo wakes up, he doesn't see it. Hence why they said, well, Luke showed up with the blue lightsaber because he didn't know that it was broken. I, I mean, that was great luck on that part. And by them saying that that she picked it up, she got away with it. But at the same time, an argument can be made that if you watch the same film, you can watch her get stabbed in the back and nothing happened. So, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't necessarily believe that. It's one of those, like, I would love to see that scene. Like, maybe we see her go back as a deleted scene. Just like I would love to see a scene where, like, you know, maybe Luke's like, go and find, you know, Chewie and go to this place. Or, you know, like, to me, there are a couple little holes there that that's one of them. But I do like, though, that it says, according to this leaked description, a presumably rotoscoped Fisher shares the screen with Maz Kanata, 3PO R2 on a planet that's been compared to Tatooine, Jakku, and somehow Endor as well. Here, she's witnessed holding and examining the Skywalker lightsaber and even welds it in a Jedi-like stance before activating the weapon and pointing it towards a nearby war-torn city. Hmm. Well, hmm. maybe. I mean, it's not swinging it around, but... Uh, it could be possible. I, I, I really think this is rumor or speculation. I don't think there's well, any well, credibility. If we pretend for a second it's credible, right? Okay. And we say this is legit. It makes sense that she's examining it because, one, we know that the original lightsaber was destroyed. This has to be a replica replacement. So she's examining it in that light. Like, oh, you did a pretty good job. This looks exactly like Luke's. Like, I could see that being the case. Because mm-hmm. as we move into the next story... 
you know, I, I feel like these two go really well hand to hand because for Leia to have it, I think we kind of have to talk about the next. No, story no pun like intended. Really hand in hand, right? <laughs> and by the way, this the one we were just talking about. This all came from Express.co.uk. It's you know the home of the Daily and Sunday Express. Just wanted to mention that's where that came from. So our next one uh, is from actually comic book uh, slash Star Wars. Here we've got in Star Wars: The Last Jedi, Ray and Kylo battle over the possession of Luke Skywalker's lightsaber, only for it to be destroyed. And they show a picture of it in half, and it looks like we've got a kyber crystal separated one half on one, one half in the other side. Uh, but it says, during a recent opening of the Star Wars show, a close-up image of the prop might confirm that Ray will have to construct a new weapon in Star Wars Episode Nine. Now, I don't get this story, honestly. <laughs> right? Because I'm like, I'm like, the second that thing blew up, we were like, she's going to have to construct a new right. one. Right. Like, so how is this any news? I don't get it. Yeah, that was that was that was a hard one for me too because they they go while touring Lucasfilm's headquarters, the show's hosts offer a look at the prop lightsaber used in the Last Jedi. Host Andy Gutierrez, she referred to the item as broken, which fueled speculation about the relic. It was so I don't understand how her saying flat out a fact. We saw that it was broken in the film, so it's like like I mean that it's an obvious statement. So I don't see how her statement fuels speculation. Unless it's one of those things where somebody just started thinking outside of the box and they're like, oh, well, I saw that and it made me think like I could see that. But it's not like this is controversial information. Yeah, that's why there. I didn't understand what the big deal was, because I'm with you. I was like, well, we know the lightsaber is broken, but maybe this is more about the crystal being broken. I guess some people assume the saber itself, the, the casing broke, but the crystal probably remained intact. But now that. That makes more sense. I could honestly see people running with that as an idea and that getting their brains going. Cause there was, I, I even had thrown that around with Nate when we were talking on Beyond the Films about, you know, if she grabs that crystal, she's good to go. All you need is a Kyber crystal. Anything else, you can use the force channel, force meditate, you can get that going. Although, however, uh, Andy then confirmed on Twitter that she wasn't an official source of what is or isn't canon, which, you know, we know about this because we've been talking about this for a while about how Twitter isn't the place to get official news in the first place. And so she goes, yeah, she goes, another fan, she uh, links to him, reached out to me yesterday with the same image. The crystal and the prop on display are very jagged. So my brain went straight to quote unquote broken. She goes, I, I agree that that it's mostly likely broken at the juncture and we're seeing the two crystals. That, I guess, is what got people going when she said two crystals. Because even in this, they've got that part underlined like, oh, but again, they also point out, you know, she's not an official source. So right. it's not like what she's saying is like, we got to write this down. I mean, I mean, she might be in the know. I'm not I'm not saying against that, but it's one of those things. Leland shares, though, and this is a guy that usually is in the know, even though he's sharing on Twitter. Uh, he goes, looks broken to me. What you can't see in this video is that the shattered fragments of the broken Kyber crystal are blue. Then Pablo, another Lucasfilm story group member, as is Chi, points out, also check the movie as the prop was digitally altered in post. And that's implying that even the physical artifact might not be the best representation of in-world canon. We did, did we see a really good close-up of it, though, on The Last Jedi to even make this assessment? No, because the last thing we see of it is it exploding. Right. A big flash of light. So, yeah. Like, I... I if I think all we see is the parts flying away. Now, my TV is nice, but it is no 4K. So anybody out there listening, you got that big 75-inch TV, and you can pause your thing at frame-by-frame frame rate. Get a picture of that. Let's see. You know, show us. Let us know. We need to know because we're, we're curious. Well, maybe I'll I mean, do that because my uh, movie screen here is 122-inch. Guess what I'm going to do tonight. No, oh probably not. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well now I'm glad I feel better because I was like, I, I I know that you put this in the show notes, and I thought I, I don't get this. Mark needs to explain mm -hmm. this to me, but I guess yeah, well, we're on the and same it continues. page. It does continue. So it goes. What what makes all this speculation fascinating is that a key step in becoming a Jedi is constructing your lightsaber with the Kyber crystal, as I mentioned. Uh, were the crystal intact? Ray could repurpose it to construct her own lightsaber, continuing <laughs> lightsaber, continuing the legacy of Luke Skywalker. If the crystal is destroyed and unusable, it's going to require her to track down one of her own. Now she could pull an Ahsoka Tano, go find one that's all broken, uh, you know, like Kylo Ren's, and heal it. That's <gasps> what Ahsoka did. That's why hers are, are yeah. the way they ooh, are. Wait, oh, 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 wait. Now I'm thinking of something. You know, uh, uh, Kylo Ren's 
saber, how it crackles mm-hmm. and stuff. She could take this mm-hmm. jagged uh, crystal and have a similar type lightsaber. She could. She could. And, and so, like, the way that they were doing all that other stuff, with, like, there's a part of me that wonders if she could heal the crystal. Because they definitely make the crystal out to be more of, like, a living entity. Like Ahsoka. Uh yeah, yeah. I mean, there, there was, there was a lot to that that was different. I mean, in Legends, the synthetic crystals were something that Sith created, and then Luke, Luke's green one was a synthetic in Legends. It's not anymore. Like we haven't been told the full story of how he got the green one now, or maybe they have in the comic, and I haven't caught up to that yet. But so that that's a different change in what was going on with Kyber crystals. Like as canon has moved forward, our perception of what that was has evolved. Now, if legends existed as it did before, it'd be like, well, half that stuff's thrown out of canon now, but that's the beauty of what they did when they did that. Now we can explore that in a new direction and it doesn't affect what came before. It does affect though, my understanding of what came before. And it's a little harder for me sometimes to disrupt, uh, you know, and, and separate one from the other. But it does make you think, though, like if they are, maybe she can heal it and maybe she gets two Shotos because she's got two small saber blades, mm. you know. But that was where I was thinking, like, maybe Leia gets it and maybe Leia does a force thing because you can do so many things with the force. Right. Um, You know, uh, the Freemaker stuff is quasi canon. Right. right. Not canon, but it's, it's, it, it exists in the realm of possibility. So that means that somewhere out there, there is a kid that uses the force to rebuild things. Metal things. Okay. A lightsaber's metal things. Jedi would meditate and they would, you know, they would close their eyes and they meditate and the force would help fuse these things together. So the idea of using the force to fix the lightsaber to me does not seem outside the realm of possibility. So you could have something like that where Ray focuses on it, puts it together and then comes to Leia and is like, Hey, do you think this will work? And then we have that scene where Leia is looking at it like, oh, wow, you did a really good job. Or, like, or maybe Ray finds a mind of crystals and she opens up a lightsaber factory and she's making lightsabers for everyone to take on the First Order. And so she's like, Leia, here's your lightsaber. Finn, here's yours. Rose, here's yours. And everybody gets a lightsaber and like there's thousands upon millions of lightsabers and everybody attacks the first order because the first order can't fight that many people with lightsabers. Well, see, that would be a good idea, except for the Emperor Palpatine is out thought you, Bruce. And in the Star Wars comics by Marvel, he rounded up almost all of them that ever existed and had Vader burn them up and destroy them. And and it was also part of Vader's test of you're going to have to go out and get a lightsaber, but I'm not going to let you take any of these. You're going to have to go out and get one. He just thought he burned them all. (laughs) <laughs> right. Well, and that's and that's just it. I mean, you could have a whole story out there of a character like Kakruk, who was a Jedi from the old order, who survived Order 66, went into hiding and then resurfaces in, in the books. He never shows up again in the books, but he supposedly resurfaces about the time of the new Jedi orders end. Right. In the last year or so of the new Jedi order, him and the iron knights, which were some sentient droids that had crystals inside their body, the shard. And he showed up with them in, in some kind of role playing game thing. But he eventually later is still around with the uh, legacy series and he has taken over the academy. He's helping the Jedi and stuff. But you could have him like he was in dark times when order 66 goes down, gather up some younglings, gather up anything he can of the Jedi order to save the order by disappearing and hiding, you know, and you could have something like that where Ray comes across that because that's the angle I want. I would love to see Ray rebuild the new Jedi order and have her come across stuff like how Luke did on Dagobah or I mean, uh, Dathomir where he found the Chunthor, the Jedi training Academy. And that gave him like the opening curriculum that he used, you know, like I'd love to see her come across something like that. And that's an aspect where you could take, and do stuff with the Mandalorian where you could see things like that, where the Mandalorians maybe in their past had gone on raiding sprees and had taken out a bunch of the Jedi temple and Sith temples. And, uh, you know, in their process of cleansing the galaxy of force users, you know, you could have that as a backstory and then you could have, you know, that reference be something that they pick up on later. Kind of like what you have with Malachor, you know, I don't know what I want to see is Clegg Lars, Owen Lars and Luke Skywalker as force ghost that go on an adventure together in a movie called Grumpy Old Men, A Star Wars Story. That would make my day. (laughs) Worth a lot to me. As you wish. So I'll I'll go ahead and start off with my Boba's Bounty because I really don't 
I, I was thinking about this on the plane flying back from Orlando today. And no, I didn't get to go to Disney. So, um, I think my Boba's bounty is kind of in two parts. One is cause I haven't done much star Wars things, uh, this week, but I did apply for my media pass for star Wars celebration, Chicago. I already bought a pass. So I'm definitely going, I definitely have a pass, but I got it. I'm applying for a media pass on top of that. So I got one for Orlando. Speaking of Orlando again. And, uh, so probably more than likely I'll have one for Chicago. But the other thing and probably the more exciting thing to mention is I got to hang out with some people of the podcasting Star Wars family that's out there, whatever. So uh, Michael Morris from this show in Cloud City Casino, his wife, Christy Morris from Galactic Fashions and uh, William Devereaux from Ion Cannon. So uh so Michael, Christy, and I live in the Atlanta area and William was here on business. So we got to hang out uh, Tuesday night. So that was a lot of fun. You know, sounds like a blast, man. It was. I just wish you would get to Atlanta sometime. Actually, I wish I could I get to Grant Pass because that sounds more interesting to me. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I've often been like, man, if I lived over in Atlanta, we'd be like doing like game nights like every other weekend. <laughs> well, I can tell you, if you lived in Atlanta right now, Michael would try to get you to play D&D with him because he's so into D Dungeons and Dragons right now. He's trying to get me to do it. Nice. Well, if he, if he did some Star Wars D&D, &D, I'd probably be like, yeah, I've never, I've got the stuff, but I've never done I it. Would, Let's yeah, do it. Th you know what? If it was Star Wars, that would really entice me to do it for sure. Yeah. I mean, I, so, so, you know, when I first got into the Star Wars books, you know, and the New Jedi Order was my thing. Like I started writing my own fan fiction set like at the beginning of the New Jedi Order era. And those RPG books were like my holy grail, dude. I would get those and I would have all these really cool details that I would add in and stuff. And like, I remember I had my character playing a game of Dejeric and I used the, the RPG and like, I played a game of Dejeric and then I wrote that in. Like I was being so stupid, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was great. Like, and that was one of the things I loved about, uh, Aaron Elson, Mike Stackpole and Timothy Zahn. Like their stuff always felt like those guys sat around and played RPGs. And like, I always felt like that was the case. Like they sat around playing RPGs and everything that they came up with was their RPG games that they were playing on the weekends. Like I was convinced for like the first year and a half that that's what was going down. <laughs> I have never really played an RPG. I, I, I know one day I will because I just feel like I need to just so just so I can say that I have. And the thing is, I think I would really like it. And because I do improv, Michael says, well, that's what kind of this is. You play a character like yep. you physically are acting like the character. I was like, oh, I didn't even realize that I should probably do that sometime. Yeah. So so like the first thing I've ever done that's close to that is uh, Battle Masters, which is a big map. And you had armies and then uh, Hero Quest. And I think Hero Quest, probably the closest I've ever played to one of those because you had your own little sheets and stuff and you did something similar to that. But yeah, man, that sounds like you had a good time. So for me, my good time is also hanging out with somebody that's over in the Georgia area. Uh, this uh, Sunday, Nathan and I are going to be recording Star Wars Beyond the Films for our Thrawn Alliances. Uh, we're finally able to sit down and get a time worked out. We still haven't got a new editor yet. So if anybody listening out there has some editing skills and would love to get involved in the podcasting world, help us out on the second airborne here. Our, our podcast division, help Beyond the Films out. Uh, you know, hit me or Nathan up on uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. However, reach out to us. You know, we're always down. Uh, and then beyond that, I got my last pack of the tops cards that I'm opening. I, I, couldn't, oh, I couldn't hold off. Man. More tops cards. Yeah. Yeah. So let's see what we got here. We've got uh, meeting Tarkin from the Clone Wars. In search of a pilot, Han Solo leaning forward. You haven't heard of the Millennium Falcon? We're chewing next to him. Pose interrogation where Kylo is uh, ripping at him with the Force. The First Order rallies. This is an overview of uh, General Hux as he gives his First Order devastating speech. Ray's victory, which might as well be Ray's defeat because it's her over Finn as Chewie brings the Falcon down. She's looking up, crying, tearful eyes. Looks kind of sad. Uh, appealing to the Senate, which is... Uh, Padme, she's, you know, I call for a vote of no confidence in Chancellor Valorum. Ouch, girl, you got played by Palpatine. And then I got a black looking one. It's uh, like the blue ones, but it says resting Palpatine. It's like the other one that I got last week, only it's uh, a black. It's a part of a hero's quest series, number nine to 20. Mm -hmm. And then a bring order to the galaxy. And it shows the, uh, what do you call them? Patriot guards or. Prior, oh, Pantori, Pantorian guards. Pantor or, is that yeah. right? Why do they, 
they gave it such a hard name. It's like it's like when the Vong first showed up, the Patriot Vong or whatever they were calling. Why? Why? Why do we go with names I can't pronounce? But this one looks kind of like one of those like motivational posters. It's got the First Order logo. It's got the red one. that has got the two uh, shock sword axes, and then the ones that uh, whip the blade. It's like a a whip that turns into the sword. They're on each side of him, like. I don't know. It looks kind of cool. Like it almost make a really cool uh, family crest. Oh, yeah, that is cool. I like that. Yeah, yeah, nice. Oh, and then the other thing, which I think I may have mentioned it. I know, I know I did in our Boba's ba- or our uh, uh, Rogue Transmissions. The last week's one, I saw Phasma and the two executioners while I was walking around Ross. Found that in the big picture form after we were just talking about it. I was like, ah oh, man, if I had forty bucks, I would have. Yeah, that we right were now. like, oh, that card would be great poster, and then you find one for forty bucks. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, somebody always gets in on these ideas. I'm always, I'm always 20 days too late. You know what I've learned? You can't say Praetorian Guard and I can't say ILM unless I right? stop and go it's ILM. <laughs> Well, that does it for the Star Wars Report, everyone. Thank you for joining us. Hey, you know what? The next episode is episode 357. So you're going to want to hear that, right? Because it's 357. It's our Magnum episode. <laughs> That's what they call that, the Magnum <laughs> anniversary? The Magnum anniversary episode. Big time. <laughs> Woo-hoo! Yes. Hey, you can find me on Twitter at Admiral underscore Rex, and you can find Mark there, too, as Illogical Rogue 2. Do you have any final words for us, Mark? Oh, you know, make sure that you uh, hound the heck out of Matt Martin and let him know that Bothans need to stay the Bothans from Legends. There you go. That's 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 the wisdom. That is our that's your hashtag, Mark Martin. That is our campaign now. We're we're fighting for the Bothans to keep them to the yeah. Legends. Bothan, 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 Bothan. Hashtag make Bothans real again. Hashtag fake Bothan news. Because <laughs> many Bothans died to bring you this podcast. Fake news. <laughs> like about the crystal and the freaking lightsabers fake news fake news yeah yeah comic book resources we're we're ousting your credentials you're done you're done we want legitimate stories no more rumors no facts and then we'll yell about the facts because <laughs> they won't support our narrative anymore just the facts <laughs> just the facts the Jedi ways are done there's no lightsaber see that's what I was worried about honestly Bruce I was worried that that's the direction they were going to be like well the lightsaber's broke and Luke's not around but then I was like but she took the books she took the books man the Jedi can't be done she took she took yeah. the books she took the lightsaber they're all in a closet somewhere she's probably and Yoda covered it up yeah exactly she's hoarding all kinds of stuff like, like that's the scene I want to see is where Luke and, and Ray, uh, or Luke and Yoda show up to Ray, and Luke turns, <laughs> looks at Yoda, and goes, "You son of a!" 